0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Tuya Christian Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to give online, see upcoming events, or view our service times, please visit our website at tcf.church. Amen.
1: Hey, let me, let me pray, and then we're going to jump in. Father, I love you. Father, I'm thankful for this great church. I'm thankful for this great body of believers. I'm thankful that you would allow me to be a part of what you're doing here. Father, I'm humbled that I could stand on this platform and bring your word <clears throat> to your people. Father, I'm grateful. Father, open our hearts, open our ears, open our eyes to see what you're doing. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. We found out last week that the two biggest events in the Bible in the Old Testament was the Exodus, where God supernaturally delivered the nation, the children of Israel, from slavery, from Egypt, and Egypt at the time is the most powerful nation in the world, and God brought down the Egyptian gods. He did 10 plagues. The last plague was the Passover, and that's where God sent the death angel. He told Pharaoh, he said, the firstborn in every family is going to die if you don't allow my people to go free. Well, Pharaoh wouldn't do it, so God sent the death angel, and everybody, the firstborn in every family died except with one exception. God told the children of Israel, I want you to take a lamb, and I want you to kill that lamb, and I want you to take the blood from that lamb, and I want you to spread it above the front door of your house. I want you to put it above the doorpost, and we know that a door represents the house. It represents the family, and if you'll do that, when the death angel comes, he will pass over your family, and your firstborn won't die. That's why the Jews every year celebrated a feast that was called Passover. And that word Passover represented that story. It represented the angel passing over their house and not bringing death. Another thing the Jews called it was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. One of the Jewish traditions was that when God delivered them, they had to leave Egypt so fast that the bed, the bread—excuse me—the bread they were making, they couldn't allow it to rise. They couldn't wait for it to rise because they were leaving in such a hurry that they took it without it rising, and it was called unleavened bread. It was flat bread. It was in a sense like a cracker, and so it was called Passover, and it was called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Fast forward to the New Testament: Jesus is the Lamb of the Passover. That lamb represents the lamb of God, Jesus Christ. If you remember when Jesus went down to where John the Baptist was baptizing, and when John, who was his cousin, saw Jesus coming up the riverbank, he said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The physical lamb in the Old Testament took away the death from the children of Israel, but Jesus, our lamb, the blood's not put on the doorpost of our house. It's put on the doorpost of our heart. They were saved physically. We're saved spiritually, and we will be saved physically. I told you all that, because I want to read to you this morning where Jesus has his last meal with the disciples. They're Jewish men, and they're celebrating the Jewish feast of Passover. And Jesus tells them, we're going to get together and celebrate this feast. I want to read you the story this morning out of the New Testament, out of Matthew 26, starting with verse 17. Now, on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover, When evening had come, he sat down with the 12. Now, as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Stop right there for just a moment. They are having a meal together. It's a Passover meal. In a sense, it would be like Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter. In two weeks, we're going to celebrate Easter. And when my family goes home, And a lot of your families go home. We're going to have a feast. We're going to celebrate. We're going to cook a meal, and we're going to gather around the table, and we're going to enjoy a meal together, and it's a special time because it's Easter. Then we're going to go outside. We hope it's going to be a warm, sunny day, right? And we're going to hide Easter eggs, and the grandbabies are going to hunt Easter eggs, and we're going to spend the afternoon being together and celebrating. They are having a celebration meal. They're celebrating Passover. They're eating. All right, let me keep reading. And they were exceedingly sorrowful because he said, hey, one of you is going to betray me. And they said, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, he who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to the man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would not have been good. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, or teacher, is it I? And Jesus said, you have said it. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take and eat. This is my body. They're having what we call communion for the very first time. Let me keep reading. Then he says, Take the cup and give thanks and gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant. That's very important. The new covenant. I'm going to talk to you about that in just a minute, which is shed for many for the remission or the payment of sin. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That is a promise for the future. Now, I want to say something right here about that, and I don't want you to miss this. Jesus tells the disciples, there's going to come a day when we're all going to be together, and we're all going to celebrate together, and we're going to toast together. The Bible calls it the marriage supper of the Lamb. And if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, we're going to be there, you're going to be there, and it's going to be absolutely amazing. Amazing. All right, let me finish. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the first communion, the first time communion as we know it is celebrated. They're moving from Passover, from the old covenant, from the law into the new covenant. Now, I want you to understand something really important. The Jews lived by the Old Covenant. It was called the law. It's in the Old Testament. And here's what it was based on. If you're obedient, you're blessed. If you're disobedient, you're cursed. If you're obedient, you're blessed. If you're disobedient, you're cursed. It's in Deuteronomy 27 and Deuteronomy 28. You and I do not live under the old covenant. We live in what's known as the new covenant. The Bible says it's a better covenant and it has better promises. Let me explain it to you. You and I live in a covenant based on faith. When I'm a 12-year-old kid, I heard the gospel. The pastor came to our home, and he talked about Jesus dying on the cross and being raised from the dead on the third day. And if I would believe that and receive it in my life, I would become a Christian. I did. I prayed a prayer, and I became a Christian. Every one of you in here that's done that has your own story of that experience. We talk about it in Power Kids all the time. We talk about it in Ground Zero all the time. We talk about it here all the time. When you receive Christ as your Savior, you became part of the new covenant the new covenant is based on faith now why is this important pastor here's why it's important galatians 3:13 says jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law the word redeem means to purchase listen if you don't hear anything else this morning hear this you are not under a curse you are under the blessing of God, not because of anything you've done, but because of everything Jesus has done. Listen, I'd like to take time this morning and go from this corner to this corner, and I would like to call every single one of you by name, and after I say, you, say your name, say this, you are not under a curse. If you have ever thought in your life, hey, something bad's happening to me because I've done something wrong, then you're living under the old covenant. A few weeks ago, I attended a church, and they had prayer afterwards. Well, this church I went to, nobody knows I'm a preacher. It's really fun going to church when nobody knows you're a preacher, right? And so I was able to go up front and get prayer and the people that prayed for me didn't know me. They didn't know that I was a preacher. And it they were a very kind, very sweet couple. Man, they were probably my age, maybe a little older. And I told them what I needed. And, man, they prayed the house down. I mean, they prayed a great prayer. And I'm just up there, man. I'm the preacher. And I'm just getting prayer. And I'm having a good time. And, you know, nobody knows who I am. And it was good, right? All right. When the prayer was over... I, and what I wanted prayer for was because I wasn't feeling good. When the prayer was over, this is what this kindly gentleman said to me. He said, you need to go home, and you need to ask God what you've done for this to come on you. Yeah, Rutrow is right. All right, now, I'm not picking on that person at all. That's old covenant. That's the law. I don't live under the old covenant you don't live under the old covenant. You and I live in the new covenant. Jesus told the disciples, we're moving from an old way into a new way with better promises. And here's what he told them. He gave them bread, and he gave them juice, he gave them wine, and he said, eat this, it represents my body. Drink this, it represents my blood. You are now in a new covenant. Your sins have been paid for, and the day's gonna come when we're all gonna receive it together in the kingdom. I wanna go to 1 Corinthians. We're gonna skip all the way over into the latter part of the New Testament. We're gonna go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, And I'm going to read to you where Paul talks about this event, this same event, about communion. Let me set it up for you. The verses that I'm not going to read to you, Paul tells them, hey, when you show up to church, make sure you've had something to eat. What does that mean, pastor? Well, when they did communion, they did it different than us. And they would have a meal together, and they would have bread, and they would have wine. And when people came, they would eat too much, and they would drink too much. Paul even said, some of you are drinking so much, you're getting drunk. And he said, and you don't want to come to church, and you don't want to do that. He said, do that at home. Make sure you get something to eat at home before you come here. All right, he warns them. Now, let me start reading and share with you what he says. Verse 23, 1 Corinthians 11. He says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. I just explained that story to you. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also, he took the cup after supper. Remember, they're eating. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Hey, we just talked about that. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Remember, he promised he was coming. Verse 27, therefore, whoever eats this bread, Or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning or understanding the Lord's body. For this reason, Many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That's a reference to death. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Let me explain something to you incredibly simple and incredibly powerful about communion. He said that if you eat the bread and you drink the cup in an unworthy manner, you'll be damned, you'll be judged. Some of you have had that hanging over your life for years. We've had people come right here to this church and they wouldn't receive communion because they were afraid they were receiving it in an unworthy manner. And they would hang their head and they would pray, but they wouldn't take the cup and they wouldn't take the bread because they thought they weren't worthy to do it. The word unworthy means common. It means common. It means ordinary. Here's what he's saying. He's saying when you receive the cup and you receive the bread, recognize this meal is not ordinary. This meal is supernatural. Last night, the men got together And we went out to the Malden Ranch and we cooked. And we cooked all kinds of different manly foods. And we ate a bunch of manly food. Manly food is meat, okay? Yeah, there was not a piece of broccoli in sight, all right? There was no vegetables anywhere to be had. It was every kind of meat you can imagine. And we ate meat. And it was good. After this service, many of you are going to go eat. And I don't know if you're going to eat at home. I don't know if you're going to go to a restaurant, but you're going to go eat. And it's going to be, if you will, common or ordinary. All of us eat lunch. Most all of us eat lunch. And it's an ordinary thing that we do. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying when you take the cup and you take the bread, recognize it's supernatural. Recognize it's not ordinary. Recognize it's not common. Recognize that it's powerful. It's filled with life. It's way much more than a ritual. And it's holy. Now, what have we talked about for weeks? When you show up in here, make sure you've flipped on your expector, right? We had the t shirt in, the, in the, the red desk, and we've talked about that when you come in here, you have expectations that, hey, God, I need something. God, I'm not just here going through the motions. I'm not just here because I'm punching my ticket or paying my dues. Hey, God, I need something. I need to hear from you. I need a miracle. I need you to move on my business. I need you to move in my life. God, I'm turning on my faith. I'm turning on my expectation, One of the most dangerous things we do as Christians is we make it ordinary. We make it commonplace. We go through the motions. We go through the routine. We're here physically, but we're somewhere else mentally. We're here physically, but we're somewhere else spiritually. You know what I'm talking about? You're just here, and I'm, thank God you're here. Don't get me wrong. <clears throat> but that you're here spiritually, you're here physically, you're here mentally, and you've plugged into God, and you need something. you know what holy means? Set apart. In its simplest form, it means to be set apart. We've talked about it. We built this building. We poured the foundation. We poured it first and we poured oil on it, and we anointed it. We took lumber, and we built this, and we covered it in carpet. And we have called this the house of God. We've called this the altar of God. That makes it holy. It's set apart. Now, we could take this stage out. We could roll up the carpet. We could knock out that wall, and we could make this a very fine hay barn. Couldn't we? Or we could make it a shed, a work shed, right? I mean, you could put tools in here, and you could roll equipment in here, and you could work on equipment, couldn't you? Uh, You could convert it into a house, I guess. I mean, you could maybe make it into an apartment, uh, right? We could make it into a dance hall, the building. Could could we not? Y'all are like, Pastor, dear God, all right? I'm just saying, right? Right. I mean, we could do a lot of different things with this building because this building would serve a lot of different purposes. But what have we done with it? Well, we built it and we dedicated it to God. And this is our church. And because of it, it's holy. This bread came from Walmart. It's very common, ordinary bread. You can eat it with butter and jelly. You can toast it. You can put ham and cheese on it. You can put sardines on it you can eat yeah oh man you can eat it plain but when we brought it here and we cut it up and we put it on that table we dedicated it as something holy because it's going to represent the body of Christ are you with me cup same way hey this is from Lowe's this is grape juice from Lowe's I don't even know what brand it is but it's just good old grape juice and you've probably bought grape juice before haven't you Okay, and we've bought grape juice and taken it home and drank it. But this grape juice has been dedicated, it's been set apart for communion. Are you with me? All right, here's what Paul said. Paul said, when you gather in the house of God and you take the bread and you take the cup, recommend, not recommend, where'd that word come from? Recommend? Recognize, there we go, recognize that this is not ordinary and that it's not common. When you eat regular meals, it's ordinary and common. This is not. That's what it means. See, here's what we've been taught. We've been taught that we're supposed to look at ourselves. And I'm supposed to hold the mirror up. You know what the devil wants to do? He wants to hold the mirror up. And he wants to show you all your faults and all your shortcomings and all the mistakes you've made and all the mistakes I've made. And then he wants to tell you, you're not worthy and you shouldn't take communion. Listen, when you feel like that is when you should take communion the most. Because we're not under a curse. Jesus paid for my sin and he paid for your sin. So when you come in the house of God, get you a piece of bread and get you a cup, which we're going to do in just a minute. And here's what you do. You say, Father, I thank you. This is not an ordinary meal. This is not ordinary bread, this is not ordinary juice. Jesus, it represents your body, it represents your blood, and I think you yeah, there's life in it. And you said if I would take it with expectation, you'd heal my body, you'd give me peace in my mind, your grace. What did he say? He said those that don't receive it and don't understand it, they get sick. Okay, so that means if you understand it and receive it with your heart, then it brings healing. Are you with me? So here's what I'm saying this morning. Every time you do this, you remind yourself this isn't ordinary. It isn't common. Being in here this morning is not ordinary and not common. Worship and praise is not ordinary and common. The Word of God is not ordinary and common. It's one of the greatest battles we face, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I've done that before. I've had communion before. I've had prayer before. No, 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 no. Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you Jesus that you died on the cross for me. Jesus, I thank you as I hold this bread. It represents your body that was broken for me. And as I hold this cup, it represents your blood that was spilled for me. And Lord, I receive all that it all that it all that belongs to me. I receive it. That's the difference. Oh, another day of bread, another day of juice. We're going through the motions. No, no. Cuz then he said what? He said you'll have life, you'll have health, you'll have grace, you'll have the blessing of God because you recognize what God's doing in your life. Amen?
0: Amen. At this time in the sermon, we are preparing to receive communion. I would encourage you, if you are able to, to get you uh, some bread and some juice and get to a place where you could receive communion with us. Uh, If you're traveling or somewhere that you can't do that, maybe hit pause on this. And when you get home or later in the day today, get you a piece of bread and a small cup of juice. Uh, We use grape juice. You could use any kind of juice. And in just a moment, Pastor Rusty is going to come back on in the podcast and lead us in communion together. So I encourage you to get that and receive with us.
1: Now, here's what's going to happen in your life. You're never going to do this the same again, ever, after this morning. I can guarantee you, from now on, you're going to recognize this is not ordinary. This isn't common, and it doesn't matter how many times you've done it. Now, we're going to receive for two things this morning, so don't take it all at once. I want to receive for healing. Now, you remember Paul warned. He said, if you don't receive this, If you don't recognize it as supernatural, you can not be healthy. So if you recognize that it's supernatural, and we do, then it can bring health. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to receive healing. Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you for your body that was broken. I thank you for your blood that was spilled for us. And I thank you for healing. Lord, you said healing is the children's bread. Lord, you said healing belonged to us. So as we partake of this cup, as we partake of this bread, we receive healing in our bodies, healing for our loved ones, and that you're doing a supernatural work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Take part of your bread and part of your cup. The last thing I want us to receive for... Is just what Jesus said. What did he say to do? He said to remember. Remember. Okay? That's simple, but it's powerful. Remember what Jesus has done for you. Remember that heaven is your home. Remember that God has a plan for your life and that it's good. And that no matter what's going on in your life, God's at work in it. Amen? So let me pray. Lord Jesus, we remember. We remember that you came to earth, you took on flesh, you died the gruesome death of the cross, you laid in the grave for three days and you've been gloriously raised from the dead and we will be raised from the dead. Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us and what you continue to do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the rest of your bread and the rest of your cup. The Lord's good, amen? He's always good. Hey, I love you. I want you to go and be blessed and have a great rest of your weekend. And we'll see you next week.